This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. to another episode of the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Walker, and Kim is also your host, Kim Walker. Say hi, Kim. Hello. Hi, Kim. And today, our guest is Vic Tarasik, who was a shop owner in the Woodlands, Texas, a technician turned shop owner turned now coach. Yeah, some of these stories can get really interesting of how we go from one thing to another. So maybe we'll get into that a little bit. But uh, first, let me give a uh, a shout out to our sponsor, who is RepairPal. I do want to thank our friends at RepairPal for providing this episode. RepairPal's certified network of shops are trusted by millions of customers each month. Learn more at RepairPal.com forward slash shops. All right. Well, Vic, we are happy to have you on today and we're excited to, to talk about uh, what it is that we're going to be talking about. I want to go ahead and just give you an opportunity to introduce yourself a little bit more in depth so that our listeners know who you are. Well, my name is Vic Tarasik, Buffalo Bills fan now. I've always been a Buffalo Bills fan. I've got a shop owner background, but started as a technician. And I understand the pitfalls. I understand the potholes. I understand the challenges and failures, but also understand the successes. Had the opportunity to sell my business later in the uh, life of my business, 30 years. I was in business for 30 years and I've transitioned into coaching. And that transition to coaching has been great because we help shop owners with best practices, putting them into place so they can miss those potholes that we've stepped into. As many times as we've spoken, Vic, I don't think I ever knew that you sold your shop. I don't think I realized that you sold it. Yeah, I got an offer I couldn't refuse. It was 2016. And it was really interesting because I had been the shop owner for years. I learned a lot. I knew that there was something more. And I didn't know what that was. And then one day I had someone decide to come in and say, hey, you know, we really want your shop. And I'm like, I think that's a great idea. And for over the next couple of months, I took some time off. And I had been teaching at college for a period of time. And then I had the opportunity to work with another coaching company, got to see a little bit of the coaching world and did what a lot of shop owners from tensions do, decided, you know what? I think I could do this really myself. So this year, it's six years since since, uh, I've transitioned out of being a shop owner and into a coach. There's always so much satisfaction in being able to take the things that you've learned over the years and impart them into other people and see them have success because of it. Oh, it's ama- it's amazing. The re- it's so much more rewarding today. As a technician yourself, you know how it feels when you complete a job. Yeah. Multiply that times 100. And when you wrap up a coaching call and you see them heading in a direction that, that you headed into years later into business, and you help them avoid those potholes and the challenges, and you help them grow through your, you know, looking inward and sharing your own failures, probably the best way to put it. It's rewarding. There's something really great though. Like you said, you got an offer you couldn't refuse. And we can probably talk about that at another time. But to me, from the outside looking in, it says a lot about why you're able to be a coach now is your shop must have been obviously appealing to someone, Mm. but then to come in and make an offer, you had to have had your stuff straight. Right. Right. You had to have been performing well. You probably had to have some procedures and some SOPs in place and things like that. So, yeah, congrats for that. That's pretty outstanding. I know a lot of people that would get maybe an offer 
But then mm. once the buyer started digging in, would realize, no, yeah. not as it seems. So it gives you the experience to be able to help shop owners who are being made offers and right. you know can coach them through that process. So that's really cool. I'm, I never knew that. I'm glad, glad to hear that. Well, you know, some key things for shop owners listening, SOPs, procedures, culture, but the most important thing is sound financials and not just sound financials for the last year is three years of sound financials and business sales experts and you know the ones that handle those transitions will tell you three years of audited financial statements will increase the multiple dramatically. So you can never understate the role of an accountant and a financial advisor working with you in your business to help you get the best most out of it. We're going to talk about marketing today. And there's a particular book that you have that you, my understanding is you share it with your shop owners. Right. And it's because of a particular idea that's in that book. So, you know, tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Well, Seth Godin has a book called The Purple Cow. And the pretty much the premise of this book, if you're out cruising your your country road and you know, you're see cow, cow, cow pasture up, cow after cow pasture, you got black cows, you got brown cows, you got black and white cows, you wave, you moo, you know, you get pretty much bored at seeing all these cows. But if there was a purple cow at the edge of the herd, what would you do? Tell me the process. What would you do, Kim, if you saw that purple cow and out in oh, the I can, nowhere? I can tell you what she Well, you know what? You tell, you tell them what she would do, but I know exactly what she would do. Well, you know, Brian and I travel a lot. So I literally was picturing ourselves in our RV, Jeep behind us, driving down the road. I would literally probably scream, oh my God, Brian, look at that purple cow. Stop. And I'd have him stop possibly turn around and go back mm-hmm. so that I could do my thing, which is exactly what you want to happen in that situation is to tell people about it. Right. Photos. So she's taking um, pictures. She's putting them video. on social media. She's probably got a client in mind that she's going to use the picture for. <laughs> I can picture Kim out there doing a selfie with um, maybe even calling newscaster. And here's the point of the purple cow. The purple cow is remarkable. And it's something got you talking. And that's really the premise of the book of the Purple Cow. So you guys remember when the first iPhone came out in 2007, right? I mean, it was the bomb. First touchscreen phone had, you know, had five to 10,000 songs in your pocket. In fact, the very first guy who landed an iPhone waited outside of the Apple store in New York City for five days just to be the very first one. Now, what I want to underscore here is this. How much of an is the iPhone remarkable today compared to all the other phones out there? It's just another touchscreen phone. The part about a purple cow is you may develop this really great idea that causes you to stand out, but you've got to keep it fresh. You know, Ryan, when you had your shop, what was your warranty? Our warranty, oh gosh, before we closed, we had a lifetime warranty. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, for a very long time, it was two years, 24,000 miles. And then it was like, you know what? We really don't see much come back. Right. For, you know, repairs. And when it does, it's the failure of a part that my part supplier is going to cover. Let's do lifetime. And it caused you to stand out amongst, amongst that crowd. That wasn't our purple cow. Kim right. came up with our purple cow. I didn't come up with our purple cow. It was a customer. And people have probably heard me share this story. So this would have been in like 2004, 2005. 
before female friendly was a thing. I was sitting at my desk and I overheard our service advisor, who was amazing, just do what they all should do. And he asked the customer, well, how'd you hear about us? And I like stopped what I was doing and I like, listen. And I heard her say, the ladies in my office say that you are the most female-friendly shop in the Triangle. Mm -hmm. So the Triangle was Raleigh-Durham Chapel Hill and we were in that area. And when she said that, I really kind of lost my mind and got so excited and was like, that's who we are. That's who we are. That's who we want to be. That's who we strive to be. We want moms and daughters and sisters and, you know, to all walk in and feel like they can get their vehicle taken care of without being asked, can we talk to your daddy? Can we talk to your husband? But being respected as an individual and being able to make decisions. So we implemented that almost immediately into everything that we did. And it was absolutely incredible. Right. That female friendly was was big because it wasn't mainstream yet. And we share that in common because, you know, our shop was very female friendly right from day one. I shared with you that, you know, my, you know, my mom became a single mom when I was three and I watched her deal with those challenges. And, you know, inside of me was this passion to make auto repair no more difficult than going to the store and buying a dozen eggs or a gallon of milk. I didn't really think of it as female friendly, but I looked at my client base and I had a really high percentage of female clients and females who would recommend females. And you guys know this, the woman makes the bulk of the buying decisions in the family. 85 to 90% of those dollars is are critical that, that she's involved in, in the, uh, the purchasing decision. So yeah, that, I like the fact that we do share that, that, that particular purple cow. And it, again, we just didn't think it was anything. And so I think, I think shop owners, you know, kind of like look inside. What is it that you do? You may do something remarkable. That's not your warranty. That's not your technician. You think about all shops have bays. They have, they have garage doors. They have technicians. They have long warranties, shuttle services. They're either going to, you know, have a, you know, Uber or rental or cars, motor cars that makes them equal to everybody else in what you they know, offer. And when you get into the, industry and you start talking to other shops, the thing is some of these shops may be doing what other shops consider just normal and natural, but in your community, just doing some of those things that others consider normal and average may be special in your community. So I would encourage shop owners not to get so consumed with, it has to be this shiny object that nobody else is doing. Right. I mean, literally, it could be something as simple as the shuttle service. It might be something as simple as having a great waiting room kind of area. Mm-hmm. You really have to look at where you are and what's going to make you special. And a lot of them are probably doing it right now, but right. don't even realize that they're doing it. And I call that being in search of your pull cow. So you guys see that orange basketball over my shoulder? Well, that is one of our purple cows. We didn't really think about, about it much, but, you know, in the sports world of high school, lady it's easy to sell a sponsorship to. And what our shop did was we provided the boosters with sodas and we put our label on them. We came, we went to, went to the games. We got to know the coaches, the teachers, the, the, the parents. And we were introduced at halftime as being a sponsor and it, it didn't cost us much. But we were involved in the community where somebody else didn't really want to be. Isn't that basketball so special? That particular season, they did. They went thirty-five and three. 
And it's not so much the record as it is all the girls on the team signed that basketball. And as a team, they brought it up to the shop. And they said, Mr. Vic, we want to thank you for being at our games, for sponsoring us and being a part of Lady Cavaliers. And it was just, it was so darn cool to do that. Didn't think much of it, but it was unique because we got out in the community. And what did people do? They talked about us. They talked about what we were doing and how we supported it. I love that. So the purple cow is not, you think of something like a purple cow and it's like, oh my gosh, that's this huge thing, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that stands out. But the purple cow is not necessarily in business, you know, going out there and creating a business that is so different from everything else that's out there. Right. That's right. That's correct. You know, and the whole definition of remarkable is something worthy of attention. If you think how simple that is, just something worthy of attention. And, you know, kind of what Kim said, they're already doing it. So what is it that they're doing that they need to put ahead on, you know, to get out on their marketing? I've had, had shops that had shared with me when they began to make some adjustments in the way they communicated. The DVIs, the text messaging, the phone calls with their customers has set them apart from all the other, other shops in their region because they communicated. They communicated email, text, but also by voice. And it caused them to stand out. And so there's, there are their shops listening right now that have a really, really great communication program. That can be part of their marketing. You know, we talk to you. Mm-hmm. You guys have heard this phrase. In the absence of communication, we tend to think the worst. And if we can help take the mystery out of what it's like to, to you know, be a customer, how they feel when they drop their vehicle off, they're giving you their freedom. They're giving you their trust. But if you communicate either A, it's going to be a long time, or B, it's, you know, we'll have it back to today. You've now stood out. Time to thank our friends at RepairPal for making this episode possible. Don't get left behind. Today's tech-savvy consumers value instant gratification, so they start their searches for a repair shop on their computers and smartphones. These power users research auto repair and service options and decide which shops to engage with in an instant. Gain these customers by being RepairPal certified. They provide proof that your prices are fair with their best-in-class estimator. They're the largest site for auto repair, and they will introduce your shop to new customers through RepairPal.com and through the recommendation of partners like USAA, CarMax, and Consumer Reports. As shop owners, we were in the RepairPal certified network, and it helped grow our business. You have to be in it to win it, so head on over to RepairPal.com forward slash shops and set up a call to learn more. When you sign up, you'll get one month of service free and save $150 off certification. That's RepairPal.com forward slash shops. You know, when we talk to our new clients, when we have our kickoff meeting with them, we always ask them, we dig in to find out, like, what is it that's unique about your shop? Right. And, you know, another part of this also is finding out, like, who is the perfect client? Yeah. And when we ask these questions, when we ask them, what's unique about you? And they're like, well, usually they'll think about it and they'll be like, well, our customer service, you know, our customer service is the best. Or they're like, well, there's, we just fix cars. There's nothing really unique about us. And I think that, you know, so many of the shop owners that I know, they're just super humble people Mm -hmm. and they can be so good at what they do in so many different ways because it just comes naturally to them that Mm -hmm. they don't even realize what it is that sets them apart from everyone else. Right. So when you have that shop owner like that, they just don't see it. They think that they're just being like every other shop. Mm-hmm. What would your advice be to them to f- figure out what is their purple cow? Wow, that's a really great question. I mean, the very first thing is, is first look inward. You know, why did you get in this business? What is it that you deliver? To you, it might not be remarkable. 
And if you think about, you know, the, the skill set, you know, we as technicians, we don't really think much of how, you know, the, the house and the talents that we have. And you're right about humility. It's just like, well, it's just what we do. But, you know, I guess to answer the question more succinctly is listen to your customers. Listen to what they say. What are they saying to you about that customer experience? And the thing that they're saying to you is what's standing out and what's making you remarkable. And that can help you to define that purple cow that you currently have. Yes. And I look at shops that are really busy. They have the purple cow already. They just need to define it. It's awesome that you say that because sometimes the best way for us to find out what that unique selling proposition is for our clients is to go read their reviews. Right. To see exactly what are their customers saying about them because you'll usually pick up on something that's said over and over and over. And it's like, that's what's special about this shop. And you You know know what else it brings to my mind is when you say remarkable and you talk about reviews, is the non-traditional person that you're that's looking at your reviews and also is going to see that trend or that theme in you being remarkable is your future technician or your next team member. Yes. Right? That remarkable thing that you're going to put in your marketing to stand out to customers is also what's very likely going to cause somebody to want to work for you. Exactly. And when we think of the purple cow, it's not just a purple cow to attract new customers. It's what purple cow are you have that's causing you to retain your existing team and what's drawing new team members to you. You know, something so simple as a five-day work week may not be a big deal to you, but to the guy or gal that's working on Saturdays, that's a big deal. That is a differentiator. So Purple Cow is what differentiates you from everybody else. And the training that you offer and all those company culture. Oh, gosh. We have clients where... Culture's huge. Yeah. We have clients where I, I, from the outside looking in, would definitely say that their team camaraderie and how they, you know, what it's like to be in that shop Mm. is absolutely something that would be the purple cow. And I think, you know, as a consumer, I like to do business, choose doing business with with a company where it looks like people enjoy being there. Right. It says a lot to me. Yeah. That is a differentiator. The culture, culture is so critical and the fun component of it. Days can be really challenging as a technician and an advisor. And if you have the support of all your team and it's fun, you're going to attract people who enjoy that environment, but also you're going to attract customers who like the fact that they're enjoying what they do. I've had service providers that you, you look at them and they've got the grumpy face on. What does that do? It's, it brings the mood, mood down. You know, so mm-hmm. something so simple as a purple cow could be answered. How do you answer your phone? Our shop was, you know, thank you for calling Vicks Precision Automotive. How may I help you? And it was bright and smile. It was a little bit different. And people are like, wow, I didn't expect that kind of response when I called. Well, you know, we're here to help. And that drives me nuts because I just was trying to do business with, but the user experience was absolutely terrible just a week ago that everybody puts their cell phone out there now, right? It's just everywhere. And so if you're a business person and your cell phone is out public facing, you probably need to think about how you're answering the phone during the day. And this lady, I called her and she's like, hello. And I was like, it threw me off. And I said, is this X, Y, Z, whatever? And she said, yeah. 
And I'm like, <laughs> um, do you need me to call you at a different time? She said, no, what do you need? I was so close to hanging out, but I was planning something for a group of us and we were all super excited about going. But that happens more often than not. Yeah. And I love that you're saying that because we kind of get wrapped up in thinking, and I say this all the time, are we still talking about female friendly? Are we still talking about how you answer the phone? Right. We are. Yeah. We are still talking about that. You know, if you think about that person who's calling you, that's the very first image they're going to see of you. When someone w- walks up to you and you, you shake their hand, do you smile? And the, the answering the phone should be the exact same way. It should have the same level. Hey, I'm really glad to see you. You're, you're one of our guests and we're here to provide a great customer experience. And if it starts with that kind of dark phone call on the cell phone, answer it like you would your normal shop phone. Everybody should imagine that they're answering the phone on FaceTime. Agreed. Totally agree. They actually say a good practice is to put a mirror mm-hmm. by the phone and look at yourself while you are answering the phone right. and make sure if you look happy, then you're going to sound happy. You know, it's funny, right? You know, years ago, I read this article from, you know, South, Southwestern Bell. We know that's a long time ago. It was, you know, we after we first got started, it was 1987. I was in my first shop and it was the, the article was smile when you answer that phone. I talked about our voice and how it carried the, the smile can be heard mm-hmm. through, through the, you know, how our voice comes across. You're right. If you have a mirror and you look in it and you have a little, little thing on it that says smile, you will. But I got to share a personal story with you. You know, I'm a thinker. And when I think I have this really, I look really ticked off. And when I would, I would drive to work, you know, I'm driving my Yukon and I'm heading down and I'm thinking I'm processing the day and the things that I had and who I want to talk to and kind of where we're headed. And, and I would get out of, the, out of the truck and walk in the shop and I'd wave and head up to my, my office. And word began to leak back to me that, you know, people were like, what, what's wrong with him? And, the, you know, like the team thought I was really ticked off. So my darling wife, Marlene, and I were talking about this and she said, okay, I need you to do this for me. She goes, I know you're, I know you, she called it focus face. I know your focus face. She said, when you pull in, before you get out, I want you to hear me say this to you, smile. And I would, I would, I'd roll in the driveway. I'd stop. I'd gather my thoughts, hold on the steering wheel. I'd shut the key off. I'd smile walk in and then when I'd walk in, I have a smile on my face, say good morning to everybody. How you doing? Go around, you know, kind of pat them on the back and say, you know, greet them. And then, Hey, and I always say, if you need anything, let me know. Well, all of a sudden their per their perception of me, even though I was no different changed. And it, all I had to do is just make that adjustment coming in. And, and that's as much marketing as, as anything, because you are marketing who you are every moment you walk out, walk around with either a sour looking mm-hmm. face or a smile. Yeah, well, and it sets, we do it, it sets the tone for your uh, employees so much, you know, depending on how you walk in to the business. Right. right. Well, and if you want to make an impact on your employees, it's how you how you show up. You know, it's like you're, you're going to drop a bomb or are you going to, you know, elevate the shop with, with a nice bright, you know, you know ray, of, ray of sunshine because that ray of sunshine can carry them the rest of the day. You know, well, if you think oh, about it, we're doing it right here on the, um, these video calls, if you ever look at yourself and you're just like, suddenly you start trying to smile and make that impact. You know, just talking about the purple cow. Another Mm -hmm. piece of this is about knowing who your target audience is. We look at our shop, our purple cow effectively was the fact that we were the triangles, most female friendly shop. Mm -hmm. Well, if 80% of our clients were, you know, single males, 
then we would have a problem if that was our purple cow because it just would not match up. Yeah. You know, so it's so important that when you look at what is that thing that's different about your shop? What is the unique thing about your shop? And the good thing is that that unique thing usually is going to attract a certain type of person. Right. But you also have to make sure that the person that you want to attract, the person who is that the perfect client for your auto repair shop, that whatever your purple cow or your unique selling proposition is, is that it attracts that particular person. Right. And that's knowing who your perfect customer is. And I call them your prime customer. I was writing something yesterday and I was reflecting on some of the marketing materials I've seen and it's, we fix everything. You know, that begs a couple questions. Do you want to fix everything? Are you equipped to fix everything? And the other component of it is, do you want the personality a variety of personalities of each per, you know, of not each person, of each vehicle set, because people who drive raised diesel trucks that have been, you know, been, been boosted and modified are a totally different culture set than somebody who's driving a high end European vehicle. You know, you don't want everything. You got to determine what is my prime customer? Who do I thrive with? And if you understand that, then you can make your, you know, you can put your, your message down more succinctly and, and really develop your purple cow for that, that segment. Yeah. Kim, who, who is it that, what do people say usually when we ask them, what's your perfect customer? Anybody with a car. Yeah. That's <laughs> what we always hear. Anybody <laughs> with a car. Yeah. And, and it's like, okay, that is the best way to be miserable day in and day out because you have a shop full of the wrong clients. Exactly. Yet ask us who our prime customer is and so who we is your prime customer? We would tell you a very yeah. specific. Oh, we could Brian, give you do you want to answer? We give you a name. We know who that person was. It was Jim Knight. And we knew everything about Jim and what attracted him to our shop. And we knew we wanted more clients like him. And that's who we marketed to. And, you know, we have a, an exercise that we love to share with people about finding your perfect customer avatar. And at the end of that exercise, you actually give that person a name, you print out a picture and, you know, you usually just go to like Google images, find a picture of what you think minivan Mary, if that's who your customer avatar of what you think she looks like. And you just print it out, you put her name on it and you hang it on the wall. And every time that you do marketing, you say, okay, is what I'm doing, is it going to attract minivan Mary mm-hmm. or exactly. yeah. Whoever it is, you know, you're the, the guy who drives the, the big diesel truck. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, when you, you pull that particular perfect customer for you, you're going to have a much more enjoyable day. Yeah. Absolutely. He referred so many customers to us that mm-hmm. we ended up having to create a brand new tiered, like referral loyalty program specifically for him and one other guy as well, they referred so much to us that if we did the typical, oh, every referral gets you a free oil change, he would have free oil changes for life, his kids, (laughs) his grandkids. Mm -hmm. And he was like the administrator of the local hospital. Like he talked to, he was literally the perfect spokesperson for us because his circle of friends and, and influence was literally our perfect clientele. Today, as shop marketing pros, we have discovered that the clients we do best for, like we have, it's 
I could almost go through a checklist, right? They're European or specialty shop owners. They already have a coach. They're already successful and are ready to go to the next level. And very often they are family owned and operated like a husband and wife. I feel like they're, I'm missing one more little piece, but those are the main, the main things that, you know, if somebody were ask us, that's literally, we know who we do best for and with, and that's the exact type of shop. What about you? My perfect client is somebody 30 to 50 that's teachable. And that's the biggest thing. Are they teachable? Do they want Mm -hmm. to grow? Do they want to take their business, not necessarily alcohol, not to the next level, because sometimes people think of that as something too unattainable, but do they want to grow and are they willing to not submit's not the right word, but are, are they willing to listen to, to the words and the wisdom? If I have a client that doesn't listen, I'm cutting them loose because it's just not, it, it's not worth it. It's not, it's the headaches and the frustration. And we vet that on, on the front side. And mm-hmm. when I first got involved with being coached, my back was against the wall. I was about to run out of money. You know, it's, it's the typical scenario. Technician turned, you know, turned shop owner. I could fix a car, but run a business. It wasn't that profitable. And, you know, my back was against the wall and I reached out to a coach, to a coaching firm. And I was grateful that that very first coaching firm worked with me because they had their limits and we had to have a certain amount of revenue a year. And I actually was interviewed and I do the same thing. I'll interview somebody and I'll ask them a set of questions. You know, are you willing to, to be teachable? Are you willing to learn about yourself? Are you willing to submit your, your information? And more than anything, are you willing to be totally transparent? Because this transparency is a two-way street. And it was 15 years into my business. Now, if you think about the amount of profits that went down the tubes in the, in the first 15 years, because I didn't have someone helping me, it was a massive waste of money. It was just simply God's grace that I still I was still in business. Um, it, it's amazing so, some of the things that we don't know. You know, I was oh the same gosh. exact situation. I was a technician. Fix any car you put in front of me. Hmm. But when it came to running a business, I mean, just to tell you how stupid I was when it came to running a business. I remember the first time a lady from the North Carolina Department of Revenue comes walking in the door of my shop. Hmm. And she's like, you know, asking me, well, how long have you been open? Because we don't have any records of paying any sales taxes. Right. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like I, I didn't know. And it wasn't that, you know, I'm just a, a stupid person. It's just that I never thought about it. The only thing that I thought about was fixing the cars. That's all right. that I cared about. You bring me a broken car. I'm going to fix it. You pay me, you know, I pay my bills and whatever's left over. I put in my pocket and that's the right. way that I looked at it. Exactly. You know, so I started well, and we out didn't have four shop months software. behind on sales taxes. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have the shop software that was, had that line item, right? Where you plug in, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, this was in 2002, mm-hmm. 2001, 2002, what Brian started, he started the shop before I was a part of it. But yeah, there's no, hey, here you go. Here's what you need to do from day one. Yeah. And looking back, it's like, how could you be so dumb? To not realize that you needed to pay sales taxes. Well, you're right about fixing cars. And, and you know, what's interesting. So, Brian, you, you and I both as technicians have a high level of confidence when working on a vehicle. We're going to fix it. We will find a way to fix it. And, you know, that confidence in problem solving is actually a roadblock to growth in your shop. Because, you know, you know those nights when you go home 
and you got a problem at the shop and you might be digging into something online or you, you know, you're, you're processing it through your head, you, you probably dreamed about it. I know I did. I'd wake up two o'clock in the morning and go, I got it. And we're so used to pushing through a problem because we, we have the skill set and internal resources to get this thing taken care of that when we approach a problem in the shop, we're like, well, we'll get through it. And that, conf- you know, have, that confidence works against you. It did me. I have never thought about that until you said it, but that is one of my greatest gifts and biggest downfalls is mm-hmm. that I have such a risk, a high risk tolerance. Yeah. And I've never thought about it from the fact that my job was solving problems all day long. Mm-hmm. So problems just don't really, they don't really scare me. No. It's like, no. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Kim likes to joke, you know, with me about the old saying about, you know, how I just jump off the cliff and build the airplane on the way down. <laughs> but that's, I don't know, that's so insightful to me. And I've never thought about it before that, like, that's just who I am at my core because I spent so many years just solving problem after problem after mm-hmm. problem after problem that it's like, there's nothing that you're going to put in front of us that we can't get through, but it can, it can be a downfall. Exactly. And are you, you know, I went 15 years before I realized I can't solve this problem. And that's a long time to go. That was half, that's it. That was half of my career as a shop owner. And that, and the reason I'm able to say it is like you, was I understood the, the level of confidence and high risk tolerance, just like you. And I can state that, that because I was that, that that's a shop owner's one of his biggest downfalls. And I know it kind of puts me in the crosshairs. If I was just a, just a guy, you know, like say, you know, one of the, someone who didn't have any shop owner experience or technician experience as a, you know, as a co- that would, I would get put in the crosshairs, but I walked in those shoes and I know that I know the technicians who turn shop owners will identify it like, like, like you just did. And when you begin to realize that it makes it a lot easier to go, okay, now I understand I wasn't equipped with business skills. I like to tell people I graduated, you know, in high school, I graduated at the top 10% of the bottom 10% of my class. I barely made it out of high school. I wasn't any, I wasn't dumb. I found out years later, I got a pretty darn high IQ. I just building, I didn't groove to school. Yeah. You were bored. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's funny too, is when you go in and be a technician, you're, you're learning though, that you're enjoying learning what you like and to take that passion for learning as a technician and then become a shop owner. If you can adapt the same passion for learning, well, you'll become a stellar shop owner. But you've got to have somebody alongside you, kind of in your sidecar, navigate, help you navigate the road that's ahead. You know, that's incredible insight to have, though, especially going transitioning from technician to business owner. If you can understand, and like you said, it took you 15 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Brian can do the calculation of how long it's taken for him to get to today to realize, oh, here's why. I'm so okay with risk and problem solving is because he did it all day long, every day. Mm -hmm. But to have that understanding that not everybody operates like that, you know, so when you have employees who are not accustomed to living in the world of problem solving day after day, they weren't raised that way. They weren't brought up that way. They didn't learn that or they didn't work in an environment that was conducive to that type of behavior, if you will. So it's super important to you know, Brian came back from some coaching thing at some point and said that his big takeaway was learning to climb the wall mm. and look at 
somebody, you know, what someone else, you know, what their world is like over there. So being able to do that is, and I mean, you know, we're talking about the purple cow and we're trying to figure out how, how does that relate? But I mean, your personality as a shop owner or, you know, going to the, we talked about company culture and just the environment. And you talked about having people that were coachable. Mm-hmm. All of these things do play into the environment and the, the company culture. And, and that could be the purple cow. You know, we're talking about what's remarkable. So it's it brings up a question for me. We, we mentioned, Brian asked you earlier, what is someone's purple cow that they might already be doing? But what about the shop owner that is like, I have no idea, like not a clue. What? How do they go about figuring out what it is when they think they don't have one at all? It, well, it, it goes kind of what we said earlier, step back and listen. Ask those around them, why do your employees work for you? You know, I venture to say a lot of people that are, that are listening to this and watching have long-term employees and who stayed with them through thick and thin. Asking them, ask the question because in our world, we think it's money. And I had a, a shop up in Idaho and, you know, uh, Kevin was, was with me and, and we were in a session and his, his advisor, his, his manager happened to walk in and we were in the middle of this discussion. And I asked Kevin, I said, I'm going to ask Josh a question. Are you okay with that? He goes, yeah. I said, I asked Josh, I said, why do you work Kevin? He goes, he's got my back. He's loyal. He does what he says. He's a man of integrity. He went down the list. Kevin started up in tears. He goes, I had no idea. That's how you felt. Because he never asked him. And so that became his purple cow for attracting people. You know, loyal, I've got you back. And his purple cow really was Josh. It's asking the people around you one you value. Asking your customers. You know, a loyal customer might be coming to you for five years. Taking a moment and saying, hey, you know, I've seen you've been coming here for five years. What is it about us that causes you to choose it? Bringing your vehicle to us. Because the one thing that employees, recruits, Customers existing and new have in common, they have all have a choice. So a customer has been choosing to bring their vehicle to you. They're bringing it for a reason. And if you ask them why, they'll be transparent and tell you. They'll give you insight on what your purple cow is. Well, Vic, this has been great. Do you have anything that you would like to leave our listeners with? A purple cow is not that challenging to find. Look at, see, what is it that's different about you and something that stands out? Don't overthink the problem. You know, Brian and you and I have done this. We've overthought the problem. And sometimes stepping back, your purple cow will then reveal itself. Just like at the answer when we're working on a vehicle, it's we step back, get the emotions out of it, and oh, there it is. Five minutes later, we're we're fixing it. So I would encourage you to dig into the purple cow, to you know something remarkable about you. And there's a reason people bring their vehicle to you. There's a reason your employees work for you. And in a lot of cases, all you got to do is ask. Awesome. So if someone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Drop me an email at Vic at shopownercoach.com. All right. I know that you'll see Vic in Vegas at Apex. That's coming up and people can see us there as well. But to answer Brian's question, you can pretty much find us anywhere, whether it's visiting us on our website, shopmarketingpros.com, Instagram, 
TikTok, Facebook, join our private Facebook group, which uh, you can find by going on to Facebook and just joining a search for Auto Repair Marketing Mastermind. We're having a lot of fun in that group. So look for us there. And then also one more shout out, Brian is an author and has written the book, The Ultimate Guide to Auto Repair Shop Marketing. So you can find that on our website, shopmarketingpros.com forward slash book. All right. Well, thank you, Cam. And thank you, Vic, for being with us today. Uh, And also thanks again to our listeners for listening to the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast on Aftermarket Radio Network. There's some other great shows on the network and you can find them at aftermarketradionetwork.com or on your favorite podcast listening apps like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many others. Tune in for another episode next week. And until then, go fill those bays. You've been listening to the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast with Kim and Brian Walker. Follow the podcast on your favorite listening app. Find their emails in the show notes and visit them at shopmarketingpros.com. Let Kim and Brian know what you want discussed because they're all about advancing the aftermarket.